Maybe you're starting to explore a career as an appraiser and want to know if now is the right time to get started. Or you're measuring your career span in decades and want to find out more about the latest apps, technology, and resources that can make your life and work a bit easier. Get the answers and insight you need with Beyond the Numbers, a podcast from McKissick Learning. I'm Julie Molendorf-Floyd, course and curriculum developer and instructor here at McKissick. Join me and an expert guest each week as we dive into the topics that matter most to appraisers, from industry and education news to marketing and other insights to help you run your business more effectively. If you'd like to stay at the forefront of appraisal news, boost your career, or just learn more about the profession, subscribe to Beyond the Numbers with McKissick Appraisal at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hope to see you there soon. Welcome to Beyond the Numbers with McKissick Appraisal. I'm your host, Julie Molendorp-Floyd, a certified general appraiser in Missouri and Kansas, and a course and curriculum developer and instructor for McKissick. Today, we are joined by my friend, Dan Bradley, McKissick's appraisal curriculum and content director, and our resident USPAP expert to talk about the changes to USPAP in 2024. We're looking at exactly what's changing and how it may or may not affect your work. Welcome, Dan, and thanks for taking time out of your schedule to join us. Well, Julie, I actually feel compelled to start this with a disclaimer. Um, Many of you know my wife, Michelle Chikulski bradley She is the current chair of the ASB, and I want to make it very, very clear that any comments I provide, any opinions I may express on this podcast are entirely my own. Neither Michelle nor anyone else in the Appraisal Foundation has reviewed or approved the content of this podcast. Great. Tell Michelle we said thank you for all her hard work. And by all means, we don't hold uh, hold you to to any any strict standard related to the appraisal standards board. Dean. If she watches this, she'll probably find two or three things that she would say I said wrong. So, <laughs> gotta love it. Gotta love. Set it. myself up for that. Be married to the expert. Gotta love. It. All right. So the first thing people notice about the new use pack is that it only says USPAP 2024 and not our usual two-year 2024-2025. Why no ending date? Well, USPAP is a maturing document. Uh, Like many other types of documents, for example, the the Realtor Code of Ethics, uh, which was created in the early 1900s, was updated regularly for a period of years and then over time it became less and less necessary to update it. USPAP is is kind of along those same lines. Each edition of USPAP was originally effective back into the 1980s for a year and in some years they even issued a mid-year supplement to make changes to it. Mm -hmm. So they stopped doing that in the early 2000s. They went to an 18-month cycle and then eventually a two-year cycle, which we kind of became accustomed to. And then the 2020 edition of USPAP came out, and it ended up being valid for four years due to a, a number of, of uh, events, including COVID. And guess what? The world didn't implode when we had a USPAP in effect for four true, years. So true. The, the ASB determined that, you know what, when we 
publish or reissue the new 2024 version, um, it's going to have no end date. Uh, we could change it two years from now, four years from now, eight okay. years from now, or not at all. So uh, they, they didn't put an end date on the publication. Uh, it's good indefinitely. Okay. Interesting. So it's good as long as it needs to be. We'll change it when we need to. And, and the ASB will make that determination, yes. Right. And so does that mean we don't have to take a course every two years? <laughs> it, it's interesting because, uh, as I mentioned, appraisers became accustomed to that two-year cycle. Right. And, and so many appraisers thought that the two-year USPAP cycle was the same as the two-year USPAP course cycle. In other words, you had yep. to take a new USPAP course when the new USPAP came out. Mm -hmm. And really, that was a happy accident that they were together for so many years. Those two cycles kind of merged. Uh, but they really were never intended to be the same. So every two years, uh, a certified or a licensed appraiser is required to take the seven-hour USPAP update course. That requirement is not going to change. Even if USPAP isn't revised for another five years, eight years, whatever, we will still be required, and I'm part of that group too, will still be required to take a sure. USPAP update course every two years. So things will be happening in the profession every two years. Just because we don't get a new book uh, or a new USPAP document doesn't mean that there isn't anything we need to talk about as appraisers. Exactly. That's fair. So another thing that I noticed with the new USPAP, two books. What's up with two books? Yeah, they went with two books uh, largely because the USPAP publication, as we mentioned, has no expiration date. Mm -hmm. And it's a very, very short document. It's only okay. uh, 62 pages long. It's almost a pamphlet-sized document and the ASB still wants to issue guidance and they may need to make revisions to advisory opinions uh, or add new FAQs mm -hmm. so they separated the USPAP publication and the guidance material which is the advisory opinions the FAQs and the reference index okay. uh, the, the beauty part is if you don't need a new USPAP every two or three years, the ASB can still issue new guidance every okay. so often, and they don't have to revise USPAP in order to do it. Uh, by, by the way, the ASB recently issued some Q&A guidance, mm -hmm. and it's likely that they may issue more guidance in the coming year. Eventually, this guidance, these Q&As, will find its way into the guidance and reference manual. So we may get a new guidance and reference manual before we get a new USPAP. In fact, that's probably pretty likely. That's highly likely, yes. Okay, great. Good to know. Good to know. So let's get into the actual changes in USPAP for 2024. So one of the first ones I noted was they changed the definition of appraiser. Did they really change it? Because I don't, I don't feel changed. I feel like I'm just the same. What happened with that? They did change it, but really it's more of a back to the future type situation. 
the ASB changed the definition of appraiser, what they really did was they added a comment back into the definition that had been removed from the definition for 2020. Okay. Um, the ASB had been uh, embarking several years ago on a kind of a cleanup project where they wanted to take extraneous and unnecessary comments out of USPAP. Mm -hmm. Well, they removed this comment from the definition of appraiser that dealt with um, the expectation of uh, uh, to be impartial, independent, and objective. Sure. And when they removed the, the, the comment, they realized eventually, uh, and, and I think it was pointed out to them by some stakeholders, that the definition says one who is expected to perform valuation services competently and in a manner that's independent, impartial, objective. Mm -hmm. And the question was, well, who expects that? Whose expectation are we talking about? Okay. So they realized that that comment was fundamental to understanding the definition. So they added it back in. Okay. So they didn't really change the definition itself. They just brought the comment back in. Exactly. It's not, again, you don't feel any different. I don't feel any different. Nope. But the definition was revised just to clarify that it's the client's expectation that okay. you and I are going to act Good competently, to independently, impartially, and objectively. I like it. I like it. All right. So next big change, this whole non-discrimination section of the ethics rule. It's never been okay for appraisers to act in a discriminatory or biased manner, has it? No, it, it never has. And there was some controversy is a strong word, but there was really some misunderstanding about that. Uh, appraisers have always been required to be aware of and comply with laws and regulations that apply to the appraiser to the assignment. That's mm -hmm. part of the appraiser's competency obligation. And that, of course, would include anti-discrimination and fair housing laws, such as the Fair Housing Act, the Equal Credit Opportunity Act, the Civil Rights Act of 1866, among others. And as we know, appraisers have never been permitted to perform an assignment with bias. Sure. So this new section doesn't really add any new responsibilities or obligations for the appraiser. And, and of course, the question you may be asking yourself is, well, then why did they make this change? Go ahead, ask the question. Why did they make this change, Dan? Well, it was largely for clarity. Okay. That there was language in the old version of the ethics rule that talked about unsupported uh, conclusions. The appraiser must not use or rely on unsupported conclusions related to race, color, religion, national origin, right. gender, etc. And sure. there were people outside the profession uh, hopefully none in the profession, but outside the profession who looked at that as kind of a tacit blessing on discrimination. In other words, you can discriminate as long as you can support your discriminatory act with data. Again, right. it was never, never the, the intent. So the ASB removed that language from the ethics rule about supported and unsupported, and they created this non-discrimination section of the ethics rule, brand new section of the rule, and it makes it crystal clear that USPAP prohibits discrimination based on protected characteristics and that appraisers must be aware of and comply with anti-discrimination laws and regulations. Okay, 
So going along with that, they added advisory opinions 39 and 40, right? That that kind of spell that out a little further? Yes. And, and just like any other part of USPAP, if the ASB believes there is additional guidance required beyond the standards, they will issue advisory opinions. And in this case, the ASB believed this was important enough, and I, I think most of us would agree, that this was worthy of two advisory opinions, mm -hmm. advisory opinion 39 and advisory opinion 40. There was an old advisory opinion, advisory opinion 16, yep. that was that became outdated when they revised the ethics rule. So they retired advisory opinion 16, and they made created two new advisory opinions, 39 and 40, to address this issue. Great. So they cleared it up. Wonderful. All right. So the next change that I noted was the definition of personal inspection. How does that impact my practice day to day? It really shouldn't affect an appraiser's day to day practice. And this is another revision that was made largely for the sake of, of clarity. There are three things that we need to know about that definition the revision uh, of the definition. One is that the definition specifies the inspection is by an appraiser. Right. And as we know, there are others who make inspections of properties, but these would not be considered personal inspections as the term is used in USPAP. Okay. The second is that a personal inspection is an in-person observation viewing photos, looking at these virtual tours that they have online, which are really cool, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, or using video footage shot by a drone. Again, tech is wonderful. Yeah. Uh, that still doesn't qualify as a personal inspection under the USPAP definition. And the third thing that an appraiser needs to know is the inspection must be performed as part of the scope of work for the assignment. Okay. And uh, I'll give you an example. If an appraiser made an interior inspection, a personal in interior inspection of the property six months ago, mm -hmm. and then subsequently is engaged to perform an appraisal on that property, the appraiser may not certify that they made a personal inspection of that property unless they went back out and made a, an inspection of the property for that particular assignment. Okay, see that's this is the one that came up a lot of questions in a USPAP, USPAP class that I taught. And so if I inspected it last week for another lender, now I get a new, that deal gets canceled, I get a new assignment, new lender, disclose my prior services, do that due diligence, and they say, we don't need you to go back out again then I would not be able to certify that I did a personal inspection. Is that correct? That is that is exactly correct. Um, there were a lot of questions about this issue right. for sure. Mm -hmm. And appraisers are still asking questions about it. And the uh, ASB in uh, January issued a Q&A right. uh, on multiple topics. And this was one of the topics, the issue of, of personal inspection to provide some additional guidance on this, on this topic. So your personal inspection has to occur after the establishment of the new scope of work. Yes, it has to be part of the scope of work for 
the, the current assignment. And obviously, if you made an inspection of the property you know, a week ago, two weeks ago, months ago, before the creation of the current assignment, then obviously that inspection was not part of the scope of work right. for the current assignment because you didn't even know of the existence of the current assignment at that time. Right. So appraisers get, get very linear on these kind of topics. So does that mean I can't do the assignment? Does that mean I can't, uh, that I will always have to do a new inspection? Really, the answer to that, like many other questions that appraisers ask, is it depends. I knew you were uh, going it, to say that. Yeah, it depends on, uh, you know, for example, if the client requires you to certify that you made a personal inspection, then yes, you're going to have to go back out and make a personal inspection. Mm -hmm. If the client doesn't require you to certify to making a personal inspection, then you could perform the assignment based on the previous inspection. And then in your assignment report, you would obviously not certify that you made a personal inspection of the property. And you would probably you know, certainly want to disclose in, in the report that, you know, I made a, an inspection of the property two weeks ago, six months ago, whatever the case may be, but I did not make a personal inspection as defined by USPAP as part of this assignment. Okay. Okay. That, that clears it up. I appreciate, appreciate you sharing that with us. So out of the changes that are in the new USPAP, what do you think is going to have most impact to the appraisers in the field? One that we've already talked about or maybe a different one? I'm going to go with a different one. I'm going to go off the board on this one and say that um, there was a revision to Standards Rule 1-5, which, mm -hmm. uh, which talks about sales and other transfers. Okay. And the language in the previous edition of USPAP required an appraiser to analyze any prior sales of the subject that occurred within three years prior to the effective date of the appraisal. We all kind of have that tattooed on our brain. Right. Um, but there were those who point out that uh, not you know, ownership of a property can transfer even if there isn't a sale. Right. And I've heard this, this saying, and, and it's a great saying, that all sales are transfers, but not all transfers are sales. Yep. A transfer by a deed in lieu of foreclosure or by inheritance mm -hmm. is, is not generally considered a sale, but it's still a transfer of property ownership. Correct. And, and really, there were two kind of schools of thought. There was the strict interpretation, which was USPEP doesn't require us to analyze other transfers, just sales. And then the kind of looser translation was you know we think we know what the ASB is thinking and yeah they want us to uh, analyze all sales and transfers in, uh, in right. our real property appraisals uh, so the ASB revised the language mm -hmm. in standards rule 1-5 to clarify that yes we want you to analyze all sales and other transfers that occurred within the three-year period so is this going to be a change for the way appraisers do their work? Well, if, if you were one of the appraisers who had the strict interpretation of mm -hmm. if it's not a sale, I don't have to analyze it, then yeah, you're going to have to change over to make sure you're analyzing other transfers. Uh, a lot of appraisers were already analyzing other transfers, right. non-sales, so this really wouldn't have any effect on them at all. Yeah, I've, I've had this discussion with multiple appraisers 
And quite a few of them say, I did that anyway. Uh, I always thought it was a best practice. And uh, what, what's interesting is, and I know, Julie, you have a, a background in, in regulation. Uh, I, too, have a background in regulation. I served on my state's appraisal licensing board for two terms. And this was one of those things that, in an, on the enforcement side of things, if an appraiser didn't analyze a prior transfer that wasn't mm -hmm. a sale, for example, a deed in lieu of foreclosure, there really wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, you really couldn't hand out discipline to that appraiser. Right. Because, you know, again, they you know, bring an attorney in and say, hey, look, USPAP says sales. It doesn't say other transfers. Well, mm -hmm. now guess what? It does say it does. sales and other transfers. Great, great. Good clarifications. Well, Dan, it's been wonderful to have you here with us today. Thanks for giving us just kind of a thumbnail sketch version of what you really need to know about the changes to USPAP in 2024. I greatly appreciate you sharing your wisdom. You are my go-to USPAP guru, and I appreciate you sharing your time today. You're very kind. Thank you as well. So thank you for listening to Beyond the Numbers with McKissick Appraisal. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And for more information about USPAP, as well as our seven-hour national update course, please visit mckissick.com slash USPAP. We are proud to be the sole provider of the online USPAP course. You can take USPAP in a self-paced online format, or you can take a live stream course with one of our many amazing USPAP instructors. We offer them in a seven-hour, one-day class, as well as in a two-day format with three and a half hours each day. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Beyond the Numbers. If you'd like to stay at the forefront of appraisal news, boost your career, or just learn more about the profession, be sure to subscribe to Beyond the Numbers with McKissick Appraisal at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for stopping by.